Amen, amen. Aren't you grateful that God is a good father? Today, we're continuing a series called Getting Along. And in this series, we were talking about husbands and wives last week. Today, we're talking about parents and children. So it's super fun that it's a family Sunday and all of our kids are up here with us. So I'm excited about that, being able to just share some of those things with our families here together. Now, you may be a parent, you may be a grandparent, but I'm sure this room is full of brothers and sisters, aunties and uncles, folks that are a face in someone's story, whether officially a mentor or just someone that unofficially, informally you mentor. And so all of us together can dial in on this, and some of these things will be things that happen in the future for us, future opportunities to connect, future opportunities to understand and influence. So I'm happy you're here. This is going to apply to everybody today. Now, how many of you know the story of Joseph, Old Testament? Old Testament Joseph, right? The story, Joseph and his brothers, he's the young guy, not the youngest, but the young guy, gets a dream, sees like stars and sun and moon, and they all bow down to him, crazy. Another dream, and again, bowing down to him. He's just a young guy. He's probably a teenager, early teenager. So 13, 14 years old. He goes to see and his brothers throw him into a pit. And so this teenager gets sold by a, into a caravan that takes him away from the safety of where they are in Goshen out to Egypt. Egypt's the bad place. And he's alone, isolated, left out, hung out. In fact, they took his coat and they had an animal and got blood from an animal and put it on his coat and made it look like human blood so that his story would be completely erased. Wow, that's pretty harsh, pretty big time. Joseph goes to Egypt. Parental influence is over. Family dynamic is over. Listening to podcasts on being a good kid, over, right? That's done. There's none of that anymore, right? That's it. Whatever age he was, that's all he's got. Can you think about that? 12, 13, 14 years old and gone. And the influences that he would have would very likely, probably, most likely be counter to the things he was taught. And so the seventh grader, the seventh grader gets sold into another country, completely isolated, no phone calls, no emails, no FaceTime connection, lost. And no one was searching for him either because there was a coat with blood on it. And they thought he was dead. An animal had eaten him. That was the story. And so this 13-year-old, the seventh grader, eighth grader, is making his way in Egypt. Wow. <laughs> Unbelievable. And as he grows, he has to reach in to values. And he has to reach into things that he was taught. The things that he can remember, the foundational things that were given to him. 
by his mother and his father and his family. One day, as an older man, probably now 18, 19, 20, strong, strapping, good-looking, in the house of a man named Potiphar. And Potiphar had a wife. And Potiphar's wife had some time on her hands. So she had time on her hands to look around at other guys. And the guy she looked at was Joseph, who came into Egypt in the seventh grade, but now he's 19, 20 years old. And Potiphar's wife thinks he's a hottie and tries to seduce him. Tries, first of all, just to invite him, but then it gets more and more direct. Until one day she invites him into her, he was in her home, like a servant in her home. Invites her in, wants to hug and kiss a little bit. And do you know what he says? Listen to what he says. He says, I cannot do this great sin against God or my master Potiphar. Where did that come from? What kind of foundation was in this young man that he was able, in that moment, to look at this woman who clearly wanted to be with him, not okay. She was married to another guy, not okay. It wasn't a, I wonder if, it was a done deal. Potiphar clearly wasn't around. No consequences. Who's going to find out? Who's going to know? But Joseph knew who would know. And he said, I can't do this sin against God. I find it so interesting that a lot of times we do stupid things. Anybody else? Like, you know, the, 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 the major person that's in your way is you, right, and me. I'm just, just in our own way. Self-destructive behaviors. And we who have the Spirit of God in us, and we who, who talk with the Lord, and the Lord talks with us, and we do this weekly ritual of coming to church and serving and praying and singing and loving each other and loving the Lord, that whole thing. It's funny to me because I think somehow we must forget, we must have forgotten that the Spirit of Christ indwells us. I don't have my phone, but if I had my phone, maybe I'm going to look at something I shouldn't look at on my phone because I can and not only can I, I don't even have to try. People are trying to get it to me. They're helping me out. They're like, we'd love to send you things you're not supposed to look at. So I could have my phone, and I'm like, well, Melinda's the usher today, so she's not going to see. And y'all think I'm reading the scripture right now, so you're not going to see. Isn't it interesting that somehow we forget? We forget that the one that sees all things sees. <laughs> He's right there. We act like God is present with us all the time, and then in those moments we just forget. We just forget. I often talk to people that are struggling with addiction, and I say, hey, holiday's coming up, end of summer Labor Day party. Are you going to go hang out with your family? And they're like, no. I'm like, why not? Because I'll be drunk. Because I'll get high. Because I'll use. I said, do you use? Every single holiday I can remember, I got high, I got drunk. I used. Okay. All right. And then I asked them something else. I say, how about if I go with you? And do you know what they answer every single time? Immediately. 
Oh, okay, I won't use if you're with me. I just want to rent myself out. It's really what I want to do. I just want to like go, hi. $150 a Saturday. I'll be with you in the morning. I make morning runs, afternoon runs, evening and all. Just, I'll just be with you. And, and do you know what else? It's not because of my athletic prowess and I'm going to have to tackle them before they hit the keg. I got them. Boom. No, 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 no. You know what it is. It's just the awareness of presence. The awareness of someone with me that I don't want to let down. It's really not that hard. It's really not that hard conceptually. And so you've got Joseph, who in this moment where he could do whatever he wants to do, with impunity, it seems, says, no, I can't sin against God, and I can't sin against my master, Potiphar. He was being an excellent servant of both Potiphar and servant of the Lord. To have that in our mind as teenagers, to have that in our mind as children, to have those things in our mind where we realize that what we're doing now does in fact affect what we do later. And particularly stuff that has to do with what I'm talking about with uh, Joseph and that guy's wife. Those kinds of things. We act like when we're not married and single that we can do all that and it won't carry over into our later life. That's just a lie. That's just not true. So the fact that we can set boundaries, that we can say no, not just because I'm tough, man, I'm going to say no. I'm, gonna, I'm like, I'm going to say no. We need help. But the help can come from an awareness of I want to please the master. I want to please the Lord. Do you know the story of Daniel? When you think of Daniel, you often think of Daniel in the lion's den and thrown in there. Daniel wasn't a teenager when he was thrown in the lion's den. Daniel was my age. Daniel was an old dude when he got thrown into the lion's den. He was high up. He was like a senator, a senator in the government, in the empire of Persia. He was a senator, powerful man, first name basis with the king, with the emperor. Because once he got saved, right, once the lion's mouths were shut, it says the king came out that next day and he's like, Daniel, Daniel, I pray your God saved you. His first name basis with the guy. The king went to say, Daniel, are you okay, buddy? And he says, live a long life, king, I'm great. I'm fine, the Lord has shut the mouths of the lions. That's not the teenage Daniel. Daniel's an old man when he's thrown into that lion's den. But there is a story when Daniel was a teenager. Marley, Daniel was your age. And Babylon came in and took all of the really smart and handsome and beautiful teenagers. Took them all. So all the really smart, handsome, beautiful teenagers in here today, you're going bye-bye. <laughs> you came here this morning, you are not going home. You're like, sweet, I didn't want to go home anyway. No, <laughs> it's going to be different than that for you. You're going to another country. There are airplanes involved and ships and long journeys on bumpy roads, like you're going to go a long way away. And Daniel 
was one of those handsome, beautiful, smart, young teenagers that were taken, taken away to another land, never came back. Do we consider that? Daniel was taken away in the Babylonian captivity and served in Babylon and then served in Persia. And as far as, as, far as I know, he never came back. It wasn't like deployed overseas. A few of us have been in the military, and we were deployed overseas. We did our time. We came back. This old boy never came back. And again, as a teenager, he was presented with having to eat things that were not okay. By the emperor, by the king, here's what you all are going to eat because we're going to make you amazing. He said, I can't eat that. And the guy that was his steward, like his helper, you know, he's like, bro, you got to eat this. He's like, dude, I'm not eating it. He said, man, if you don't eat it and you look bad, they're going to come down on me, hoss. You got to eat this stuff. He's like, I'll tell you what, I'm not eating it. Who did it? How old was he? Seventh grade. He was he was your age. And he's basically sending an addendum to the king, I'm not doing what you asked me to do. I'm not eating that. Why? Because I was taught the ways of Jehovah, and this would defile me, just like Joseph said, I'm not going to do that with you, Potiphar's wife, because that defiles me. I've been taught the ways of Jehovah. It doesn't matter that they were 12, 13, 14 years old. It was in there, and what was in there is that they were going to honor God. That's the driver. They're going to honor God. And Daniel had that foundation as a teenager. And even though he never went back, it carried him through. It carried him through. Carried him all the way to the disciplines of praying every day. Carried him all the way through to the disciplines of being falsely accused and thrown into a lion's den, but saved. the teenager. We've been going through a series called A New Life. It's been Colossians 3. For several weeks, we just rolled right straight through, and then we took a little hiatus to have Palm Sunday, Easter Sunday, Baptism Sunday, which was wonderful. And then last week, we're picking up again in Colossians 3, but we're talking now about relational things. So so we've just been in this little three-part series called Getting Along. Last week, we talked about husbands and wives, but today... I want to read from verse 20. Colossians 3, verse 20. I'm reading out of the message. Look at what this says here. Children, do what your parents tell you. Okay. (laughs) Uh, That alone is like... uh. Chip and I had a super cool father-son weekend this weekend. We hung out for... Friday and Saturday all day, work through, some, work through some purity stuff, basically, and just talk through choices and values. And at one point, he looked through some things. We were working through a little booklet that we had, and we were talking through stuff, and, and uh, he had to answer a question. Would he let his mother and I guide him? And he said, well, I probably won't agree, but I will obey. Okay. Does that feel like anybody else in here? I may not agree, but I will obey. 
Do what your parents tell you. It delights the, the parents. Is that the point? Is the point of this verse that it delights your parents? That's what I would write. Wouldn't you write that? Please obey your parents. It makes them very happy. When they're happy, they will give you the car keys. <laughs> when they're happy, right, you know, do what they say, and then they will buy you stuff, right? That's what I would say. Shouldn't that be the motivator? But look at the motivator. Look at what motivates them. Paul says this, teenagers, kiddos, this is supposed to be your motivator. It delights the master to no end. There is no end to how delighted, and that's a capital M, right? That's our master, Jesus. That's our master, God, our father. It delights him to no end. There is no end game on how proud he is of you. When you obey, surrender, submit, and do, not even for your parents, not even for honoring them, but for honoring him. Now, we are diverse with many ages in here today, but I wonder if every one of us could see ourselves as a child in this respect. That however old I may be, what I want to do is as a child, I want to make choices. I want to submit and surrender because I'm honoring you. What were the words of Joseph? I can't do this great sin against Jehovah. Daniel looks and he says, man, I can't eat this. It defiles me before my God. I can't do it. And so when we, in our redeemed places, because many of us have already screwed this up, haven't we? So in our redeemed space, we can say, you know what, the new me, here's how I act. The new me, the new me acts out of reverence to God. I do this for his honor. I do this representing him. I do this because it pleases him. I remember one time I was driving in the car I don't even remember why I heard it. I don't remember what I was listening to, but listening to something on radio or whatever. And it reminded me of what the Lord is going to say to us. Well done, good, faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. And it struck me, and I'm, I'm not embarrassed to tell you, that I began to cry and my shoulders began to shake and I was probably uh, unfit for driving in that moment as I'm driving along and the tears and the emotion that hit me all of a sudden, not out of grief or regret or despair, but out of desire that I so want to be pleasing to you, Lord. And I know your love is not contingent upon me pleasing to you any more than my love as a parent is contingent upon my kids obeying me. If you obey me, I love you. If you don't obey me, I don't love you. That's not it. I love you whether you obey me or not. But the motivation is not even to please your parents, but that it delights the master to no end. When we look through here, very interestingly, if you have a Bible or your phone, whatever, I'd love you to pull up Colossians 3. 
Somehow, if you have a Bible, pull up Colossians 3. You, you, can, you can take that down for right now. So we started last week with 18 and 19, wives and husbands. 20 and 21 is children and parents. And then 22 through 20, uh, through 5, I guess, 20 through 25 is servant and then master into chapter 4. These are set up in an order. It's wife, husband, child, parent, servant, master. And what's very, very interesting is one, the first one, wife, child, servant, is consistent in that it says, do this to please the capital M master. Do this to please the Lord. And the second of the two, of the pairings, the second of the couplet, husbands, parents, natural masters, those are the ones that are told, do not leverage your advantage. Do not leverage your advantage. Very interesting flow and rhythm. Hits us all. And some of us are children and parents. Hits us all. One group is called to submit and surrender as unto the Lord. The second group of the couplet is called to love, be honest, fair, and do not leverage your advantage. You know what that requires of all of us? Growth. It requires growth of all of us. Because as we read on, verse 21, it says, parents, don't come down too hard on your children or you'll crush their spirit. He's telling you to not come down too hard on your children. You know why? Because you can. Because you can. That's why... (laughs) He's saying, don't come down too hard on them. That's the, don't leverage your advantage. Don't leverage your advantage, and sometimes it's strength. I'll admit that earlier this week, I asked Chip, I said, let's arm wrestle. And we put it on the kitchen counter, and he got all ready to go. And I said, go, and our hands held right there. And there was some grunting going on on his end, and some trembling of arm and muscle, My arm was like this. I'm not telling you the pain that I was having, but he didn't know. (laughs) So I'm holding it right here and right-handed. And I said, okay, son. And then we switched, and I said, left-handed. And he goes, Dad, that's not right. I'm left-handed. So I'm like, okay, here we go. He did it again, and I held it. Okay, son, must be a tie. It wasn't a tie. He's like, you know the whole thing, right? (laughs) Message delivered. (laughs) I need to deliver those messages occasionally. But you know what I've told, in, I've told people in classes? This isn't a power struggle. I have all the power. This isn't a power struggle. I've been in public school settings where someone did whatever they did. You know, I'm like, hey, I need you to come in at lunch for 15 minutes for recess detention. And this big old boy, a couple times bigger than I am, stood up and he goes, I ain't doing it. This is out in Baltimore. I ain't doing it. 
come on. I'm like, come on, man. Just, it's 15 minutes at lunch. You know, you're screwing around in class. Just, just come on. I ain't doing it. I said, okay, well, let me tell you how this is going to play. You're not going to come to lunch detention, and then you're going to have after-school detention. I ain't doing that either. I, I figured as much. Okay. So you're not coming in for after-school detention. Then you're going to get a second after-school detention. You're not coming in for that. Then you're going to get an in-school suspension. I know you're not going to do that either. And then you're going to get an out-of-school suspension, which you're not going to do. And then people are going to come and take you in front of someone wearing a black robe, and they're going to tell you exactly what you're going to do. So why don't you just come in for 15 minutes at lunch? And we don't have to do that whole other thing. And I finish with this. Because this is not a power struggle. I have all the power. That may make you uncomfortable. But there are power differentials. And the Bible recognizes it and tells us what to do with them. And what we do with them is just as the first group is to surrender, we are to surrender. You see, I'm the husband. And I'm the father, and this is telling me, don't offend your children. Don't frustrate them. Don't, one translation, I believe it's the NIV, says don't embitter them. Don't embitter them. It is calling me to growth, not like, sweet, I got it. Uh-uh. I understand that it's not a power struggle because there is no issue who has the power here. But that's what we surrender as unto the Lord, a gift as unto the Lord. Do you get that all of these verses are really have one theme? And it is surrender. Everybody's surrendering. We surrender our leverage. We surrender our vulnerabilities. All of it. We surrender it all. You know what? There is a day coming that you're like, Andy, if you arm wrestle Chip, we're going to go have your head examined, man, because <laughs> he's going to break your arm. That day is coming. I know it. We need to recognize that we're looking for that day where we are a community of love and respect. And it would be foolish to act like we don't have leverage in particular areas, but we give grace and we surrender those. Let me read this to you. Parents, don't come down too hard on your children or you'll crush their spirits. In the message, it talks about discipline. In the message, it talks about discipline. But in the Passion Translation, it says, don't hit them with unrealistic expectations. Unrealistic expectations. My expectations of you are unrealistic. Would anyone else be willing to admit that occasionally... If you're a parent here, you forgot what's going on when you're 12. I sure have. I told Chip this weekend, I said, buddy, I've been 12, but I haven't been 12 in the river you're walking in. I've been 12 before, but I haven't been 12 in the river you're swimming in, pal. I didn't have all the stuff shot at me. I didn't have all the things happening for me. I didn't have, right? the grace, and really the end game here is to launch you. Zeke, it's nice to have you here, my brother. And Zeke, the end game here for Annie is to launch Zeke. Not like that. <laughs> Not that launch. 
although I'm sure it's crossed our, all of our minds occasionally. Launch you right into the backyard is where I'd like to launch you. Launching them for independence. The whole business end of this parent-child deal, hear me as I close this out. The whole business end of this parent-child deal is to launch them into independence. Safe, healthy, let me throw something in here. Joseph, independence. Daniel, independence. Independence, when they can be out literally on their own and their decisions are grounded in honoring the master. Where Oliver, if you don't feed Oliver, he doesn't get fed. Where's Dawson? Is Dawson right here? He can yell all he wants. We just turn up the TV. If you don't feed Dawson, he doesn't get fed. You are fully 100% live, 100% the manager of his life. 100%. And from this moment, as every day passes, that shifts. That change and uh, changes until someday, magically, uh, somewhere between uh, 13 and 15, we get fired as the manager of their life. We get fired. We're like, you ain't telling me what to do anymore. We get fired as the manager of their life. But here's what's going on, and this is the wisdom of the whole thing. Allow yourself to be rehired as a consultant. 100% manager of their life. And now Emma is down in Birmingham, and do you know what I get to be for her? Other than the ATM, do you know what else I get to be for her? <laughs> the manager of her life? Nope. I offer suggestions. I sent her a text this morning. 87 miles an hour might be too fast to go to church. <laughs> to which she said, I was listening to my worship music and I was really into it. <laughs> okay, touche. I'm a consultant. That's the best I've got. But I don't want to embitter my kids through unrealistic expectations or harsh discipline or where I leverage the advantages that I actually have to make it easy on me now, but it will not be good later. And the whole thing, the whole thing is surrender. For all of us. And if you're not a parent and the whole child bit, you're not a teenager. You know some. And that's what this community of faith is all about, to come alongside, to come alongside as mentors. As mentors, as uncles, as aunties, as brothers and sisters in the Lord. To come alongside and encourage Children, do what your parents tell you. This delights the master to no end. Parents, don't come down too hard on your children or you will crush their spirit. To do this right, does anybody else feel like we need to pray to do this right? I certainly do. Like 100%. I feel like I need to pray to get this right. And I need to pray for the Lord to show me times that I thought I was in the right. Anybody else have that experience? You thought you were in the right? And the Lord, like, does this little dink. That's a little thing for me, like, dink. <laughs> like, oh, 
You got something to tell me? Usually what he tells me is I've given you far more grace than you're extending right now. That's what God tells me. You know, you know what Melinda tells me? Melinda tells me you give far more grace to everybody at Christway than you do to our own family. That's what Melinda tells me. Okay. That's not how I want to be. I love you. And I want to extend grace to you. But I do not want to give grace to you and have my two children embittered. Nope. I don't think that's what God had in mind. And sometimes, you know why we hurt the people that we love the most? You ready? You know why? Because we can. That's why. We hurt the people we love the most because we can hurt them. Number one, we have an intimacy with them that when we throw it, it hits and it hurts. So first of all, just, we're just able, because of the intimacy that we share with them, we're able to hurt them. We know them well enough that we know the word that will do it. We know the little whispered thing that will send them through the ceiling. We know the passive-aggressive things to do or aggressive things to do. We know those. But also, we do that because the risk is pretty thin, it seems. The risk is thin. Well, they love me unconditionally, so I can just do whatever I want. They do love us unconditionally. There's an end game for that, right? So oftentimes I think about people that frustrate me all day long. Sharon, Sharon works at our, on our books, on the computer and the bills. Sharon, you frustrate me. That's totally not true. I'm making that up. And you frustrate me, and you don't frustrate me. I love you, and I love you. And Joe, you frustrate me too, and Lisa. Ah. Right? So everyone frustrates me all day long. But do you know how I treat them? Well, that'd be okay. Oh, that's all right. No, that's okay. Whatever you, can I get you something? You need a sandwich? Can I get you a gift card? You need something? Like everything's all right. Right? Turn us, and that, that's the American way. Who's always right? The customer's always right. That's the American way. The customer's always right. You bend yourself into a pretzel. They're rude, unkind, inappropriate, Hateful, demeaning. <laughs> Can I get you a gift card? <laughs> I'll comp your meal and get you a gift card. Now, in Europe, do you know what they do? In Europe, they say, you don't like my food? Well, clearly you don't have any taste. Get out of my restaurant. That is the truth. That's what happens in France. They're like, if you don't like the food I just served you, you don't have any taste. So get out of my restaurant. But what we have a tendency to do, just a little bit joking about it, but here's the truth. I will give grace and grace and grace and grace and grace and grace. And I will hop in that red truck and I will drive home and I will take my brain out and put it in the mailbox and walk in that house and hurt people. I will take the frustrations that really, in my little made up scenario here, really I should be having conversations with you all about how I frustrate you, you frustrate me, the whole thing, like we should be having these conversations, but instead I gloss over all of that and then I take those frustrations home and puke them out all over my house. That's what it's saying, don't do. Don't embitter them, don't frustrate them. Let the Lord help us love those 
that we love the most. And not take advantage of the intimacy we share. Not take advantage of their unconditional love. But all of us, all of us, every single one of us, all of us surrender to please the master. So I just want to close us with prayer. Kind of a moment of prayer, actually. Where you allow yourself to be vulnerable and you allow yourself to recognize there's some meat on those bones that I need to eat. (laughs) There's some things that hit me or ways that I can help or the Spirit can talk to me and I can actually go apologize because I do that right. I actually do that well. I clearly mess up. But I'm quick to go back and say, hey, I am sorry. That is not what I want to be. That's not what I want to be. It's not who I want to be. It's not how I want to act. I've stood in my own home, leaned against furniture and wept in front of my family as I said, look, I'm sorry. That is not who I want to be. I apologize. I'm sorry. I don't know how I'm going to get better. I'm not sure. I'm going to pray. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for forgiving me. I'm sorry. I I messed that up. Not just one time. A number of times. Allowing the Holy Spirit to soften our hearts allowing the Holy Spirit to help us surrender, allowing the Holy Spirit to help us take our children and our parents and our families and our friends and our nieces and nephews and aunties and uncles and all of it, right, and hold them carefully because we love each other so much. And then the love of God is shed abundantly. Why would we do this life change as under the master? Why would we make this decision? Why would I go this way or that way or that way or turn or talk or stop or whatever? Why would I do that? Why would I pump the brakes? Why would I submit? Why would I surrender? Pleasing to the master. Pleasing to the master. Anybody want to be pleasing to the master? Not pleasing to me. Not even pleasing to your family. Not pleasing to your parents. But pleasing to the master who is forevermore with us. Would you pray with me? Let's pray in this space right now. God, our desire is to be pleasing to you. Our desire is to be pleasing to you, Lord. Pleasing to you, whether husband, wife, parent, child, whatever, whatever the role, help us all to see one theme in this, that we surrender our vulnerabilities and we surrender our advantage And we surrender it to you and to your care so that we may care for others and do no harm and that they would not be embittered or frustrated through our discipline or through unrealistic expectations that we could all take a big Holy Spirit-filled breath and let your presence flow through us to cleanse us to calm us, to give us clarity. Holy Spirit is given to us for truth. Help us see truth. Help us see things true. And then Holy Spirit is given to us for courage. 
Help us have a boldness to hit the brakes, a boldness to hit our knees, a boldness to open our hands, to open our mouth, to surrender as unto you, Lord. That's our prayer. Do something magnificent right now. Do something spiritual, deeply transcendent among us that when we leave this building, the emotions that we may have, the the, the tensions that we may feel in us, we are leaving this building or heading up to Romine saying it says unto the master. Pleasing, pleasing the master. That's our desire. To hear well done, good and faithful servant. Amen. I'm going to send you away today um, just with a couple of thoughts. There's nothing left for me to say to rehash anything that Andy's already said. I want to focus on one, one specific thing that I was struck with. Um, don't let this moment pass you. And so how do we do that? I want to ask you to do some practical things. When you leave this place, don't let what you've heard just kind of disappear from your thoughts. Whatever's resonating with you right now, act on it. I'm a note taker. I like the feeling of pencil and, and writing things down. That's how I don't always go back and reread those notes, but it's, it helps me take it in and it kind of etches it into my mind. Whatever that is for you, I would challenge you this week. Listen to the podcast to hear this message again. Revisit it in your thoughts. There's so much about our lives that we just hit the surface and we really don't fully embrace the depth of the need. And then the moment's gone. And then we never come back to it. And this is the pot calling the kettle black, right? So we're all, we all stand equal in that. So do something about that this week. Revisit this in your mind. God, help me to get this in my heart so that I can make the application. It's a vital, important part. You know, I, I, I thought about when you, if your car ever needs repaired, and first of all, it's always one of those ugh, moments, right? Amen? Everybody has the same reaction. And then... You finally, you find the garage you're going to take it to, or if you're like me, much to my wife's dismay, I'll try, I'll attempt to do it in my own garage, which I have somewhat success, and then I still have to go to the garage uh, on some of the things. But you walk into the place of business, and they've got this nice waiting room that it, it, it you're looking at all the people that are sitting in this waiting room, and what do you have in common? You're reading the same, you're flipping through your phone, you're reading the same magazines, but there is a vehicle on the other side of that wall that's in some state of need, right? And the person that comes in has grease all over their hands, they may have grease on their face, and they are armpit deep in fixing whatever your problem was that you brought in with you, all right? We have such a sterile version of what actually goes on in this place Sometimes it's, we should just throw it aside. 
it's messy. There's, there's flat tires. There's blown head gaskets. There's oil changes going on. There's, forgive the silly analogy, but you know this is where we live, right? This is where we live. So that is what I leave you with today. I challenge you to do something with it after this moment. All right? Stand with me. I'll send you out. And uh, remember the discovery that's going across. Just another reminder about that across the hall. And sign up July 30th for the next round if you're interested in that. And uh, one more time, as a congregation, let's pray and ask God to take us from this place. Jesus, thank you, Lord, for everything that we've experienced today, the things that we've heard, the things, God, that you have surprised us with the unanticipated, just the way that you have, just putting your spirit in those moments where it just, it triggers something. And then we're left with, okay, now, what do I do with that? God, I pray as we walk out of this place that you would spark something in each and every heart, that we would take a piece, a portion of this, and we would revisit it throughout the week. And God, let it grow in us. Let it provoke thought. Let it provoke us to action, to draw close to you, to desire to be more like you. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for seeing our brokenness and seeing the messiness and stepping right into the middle of that space and covering us with your love. Thank you for that. We give you the praise, we give you the glory, and we ask it all in your precious name. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a wonderful week. The Lord bless you.